This week on Myths and Legends, we're back in the story of the journey to the West, where the Monkey King maybe meets his match. We'll see why you shouldn't listen to that ghost monkey who's trying to break into your house, and how a headband can help you win any fight. Then, on the Creature of the Week, it's someone that likes your morning breath. So much so, that they'll suck it from your mouth while you sleep. This is Myths and Legends, episode 328, Bullish. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. This week, we're back in the journey to the West, a story from medieval China where the Tang monk, Xuanzang, was sent on a fetch quest to the Thunderclap Temple to retrieve holy scriptures. On his way, he picked up and was subsequently aided by Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, a super-powered 800-year-old nearly immortal monkey with a magical staff and hair, Pigsy, a strong pigman who carries a rake, Sandy, a scary-looking indigo sandman, and Yulong the Dragon Horse, the dragon who never leaves the shape of their horse. Together, they fight demons, monsters, other monks, and even each other. And as we start in on today's episode, we see that Pigsy, the pigman, might actually be learning something? Embrace the right and seek the real, Pigsy said with a smirk. Monkey sighed. Look, Pigsy, I know you heard Master say that in a lesson last week. We all did. It apparently had an impression on you because embrace the right and seek the real, big brother, Pigsy interrupted. Monkey said, yeah, okay, whatever. We needn't be afraid of tigers and wolves, Pigsy urged Yulong the dragon horse on, up the mountain. Monkey was about to say that not only was Pigsy a giant pig, but that a giant tiger has gotten him so many times. More times than Monkey had fingers, actually. Still, it wasn't worth an argument. The snow picked up. It picked up and it didn't let up. Monkey wrapped his cloak around his face, and the others did the same. They crested the mountain and kept walking through the night. The cold and wind and snow smothered all the fires they could use to cook their food. And soon, they were all out of rations. The faster they went, the sooner they could rest. No one argued. Until, on the other side of the mountain, on the way down, they saw a monastery. Are, are you kidding me right now with this? Monkey said. Pigsy asked, what? Monkey said, okay, look at this place. Towering houses tucked away in a mountain, really? It has, quote, baleful clouds and a diabolical air. Pigsy looked around. What, wait, what was Monkey quoting? Monkey said that a full-grown dragon could beget nine kinds of offspring. Nine. One of them is a giant clam. Is that what Pigsy wanted to fight? A giant clam? Sun Wukong could see his master looking longingly at the clearly evil monastery. He told Xuanzang to dismount. Here, get everyone together. They all stood close to each other on the dirt path, and Monkey took out his rod, drawing a circle around them on the ground. He said a few words, and it sparked with golden light before dying back down. There, 
They all stood close to each other on the dirt path. He would go get food, and they could stay there. The circle was like an iron wall to demons. They would be fine in his absence. The three travelers and the dragon horse barely had time to argue as Monkey mounted a cloud and took off in search of hospitality. But you're a g-g-g-g-g-g-g-ghost! The farmer screamed at Monkey. Monkey said, no, he... Really? He was a big talking monkey who flew in on a cloud, and that's what the farmer chose to be afraid of? He came from the road to heaven to the west. That road is a thousand miles away! G-g-g-g-g-g... No, no, I I got it. Ghost, Sun Wukong said, as the farmer screamed and started hitting him. You're literally making contact with me, hitting me, Monkey said. But the farmer wouldn't listen, because of all the punching. Okay, for every punch, I'm charging you a pint of rice. You might want to start conserving them, saving them up. I don't know how much rice you actually have in there. The farmer got a few more hits in, before running as fast as he could back to the farmhouse. He slammed the door behind him, and Monkey heard him warn his family about the ghost outside. I'm not a ghost, I'm... I'm a monk. I, I'm a monkey monk. Sun Wukong walked toward the house. Stay back, the man screamed. But Monkey plucked one of his hairs out and nodded to his doppelganger, Sun Wukong, who went to the door and started pounding, saying, Ooh, the farmer better let me in. Monkey whispered for his clone to increase the volume and scale back the monster mash in his voice by 15. Oh, no. 40%. As the clone said that he was so strong he might break through the store, that the farmer was going to need everyone in the house pushing on his side, Monkey went around the back of the farmhouse, phased his two arms and his alms bowl through the wall, filled it with rice that was cooking on the stove, thanked the farmer for his donation in a whisper, and called up a cloud. He told his hair to return. Embrace the right and seek the real, the monkey clone said, dialing the monster mash levels back up to a hundred. Not you too, monkey said, as the clone transformed back into a hare and stuck in his side. He boarded the cloud and made his way back to the mountains, a thousand miles away, to find Xuanzang and the others. As he landed, he occupied himself with a bite of rice. As he chewed, he said, See? He got food from a helpful farmer family. They didn't have to go in that ominous tower. They could skip this whole tedious side quest. Monkey looked up from the bowl to see the circle, or most of the circle. Hoofprints, feet, whatever Sandy felt like leaving on that particular day broke the edge of the circle. The monastery, the one five or six miles away in the distance, was also gone. Oh, come on. The ancients drew circles around people as imprisonment, Pigsy had started the rebellion. They were prisoners here, trapped, and if a monster or demon came, would this circle really protect them? Really? Xuanzang nodded in approval, mostly because he was literally starving 
and there was smoke from a cooking fire coming up from the monastery nearby. Sandy said, uh, which one was it? Were they prisoners by magic? Or was the magic too weak to keep the monsters out? Xuanzang said it was both, but it didn't matter. He, the Tang monk, led this journey, not monkey. Sun Wukong didn't even ask them before he drew the circle, expecting them to stay there, exposed, while he was gone for who knows how long. He had left before, by the way. Now, they would continue on and Monkey could catch up to them. So, they broke the circle. And if we happen to see any monasteries that look hospitable, we'll stop. I'm hungry and, oh, there's one, the Tang monk pointed. Sandy didn't point out that that was the monastery they all thought looked extremely sketchy. So, a few miles later, they went to knock on the door. They could be sleeping, Pigsy said. It's one in the afternoon, Pigsy, Xuanzang replied. Ooh, oh, they could be in trouble. If we open the door, we could help people in danger, Pigsy noted. Xuanzang thought about it that Felt like better justification. He knocked again, and the door creaked. Oof, door needs some grease. Nothing to read into there, Pigsy said, and the three began to walk inside. It was dark, dank. The air was stale and heavy. Cobwebs clung to corners, and the scratching of mice and rats could be heard in a far-off wall. The trio walked through countless rooms, until Sandy said he was going to peel off and investigate. Pigsy and Xuanzang found the leader of the temple. He was meditating, veiled behind a curtain. Xuanzang whispered that they shouldn't bug him, but Pigsy was already on the way. They were hungry. His hoof gripped the yellow curtain at the same time that Sandy called out from below, Uh, Pigsy? Master? Xuanzang turned around, but Pigsy immediately realized the reason for the alarm below. The master of the temple, the monk, was a skeleton. He was wrapped in his clothes and sitting upright, but all that was left of him were chalk-white bones. They're they're all skeletons, Sandy came running. He found a few bedrooms. He didn't know what happened, but they, the traveling monks, needed to, (laughs) to loot this place, of course, Pigsy said, rushing to the nearest trunk. What? Xuanzang's like, you can't steal, you're a monk. Pigsy laughed. Uh, It wasn't stealing if they were dead. He tossed a few more clothes out onto the floor. It is, though? Xuanzang replied. (laughs) Pigsy scoffed. Who made Xuanzang the master of morality on this trip? Literally you, Xuanzang pointed out, when you agreed to be my disciple. Pigsy ignored him. Oh, oh, Sandy, check out these robes. Fashion show, fashion show. He tossed Sandy an ornate robe. Sandy shrugged and put it on as Pigsy put his own on. Master, you went in on this? Pigsy asked, holding out a third robe. He would keep one for Monkey. Monkey loved looking good. Xuanzang sneered. He was disgusted. Heaven could see this. <laughs> see me looking awesome, Pigsy said, then wiggled. Huh, little, uh, little tight. Pigsy was annoyed because he thought all the walking would have helped him lose some weight. Any weight. This was different, though. Kind of stiflingly different. Pigsy was having a hard time moving his arms. Wait, it's a trap! He turned to Sandy, who already knew this. 
His robe had wrapped up to contain his entire body in a handy sand pouch. Pigsy's robe wrapped around him, pulling his arms behind his body and slamming him to the ground. Run! Pigsy managed to oink out, and Xuanzang obeyed. But as the Tang monk ran, the palace, the monastery all around him, began to blink, to transform in small bursts. By the time he made it to the door, it wasn't a grand, carved entryway, but the opening to a cave. He burst through to see a legion of little fiends, little demon monsters, subduing Yulong the dragon horse. Xuanzang looked behind him as the earth trembled under the footsteps of the demon's approaching leader. We'll see Monkey meet some unexpected travelers, but that will be right after this. Hi, old man and boy, traveling alone in a desolate region, Monkey said to the old man and boy, traveling alone, no destination nor origin within a day's walk of this particular spot in the road. Oh, hey there, fair traveler, (laughs) the old man said, leaning on his walking stick all folksy-like. Oh, he's doing a voice, Monkey said. Didn't stop the old man. Oh, this is just my normal voice with me being an old man, the old man said. Can we just, can we just not do this? I know you're the local gods here, Monkey said. Mountains or something just personified? Can we just like cut to the end where you tell me where they took the Tang Monk? Oh, oh, that's just a bit above a simple old man. You're, you're not, you're not buying this. It was too much, wasn't it? Monkey did the little little bit thing with his hands and nodded. The kid, the local spirit, nodded up. Absolutely, he told him. Okay, cards on the table, the mountain god said to Monkey, who, you know, still in the form of the old man. You don't want to deal with this guy. He's the great king one-horned buffalo. Magical powers, martial arts, powerful kicking tricks. The Tang Monk is dead. Probably. Sun Wukong said he couldn't give up that easily. He wouldn't. To be real, this happens, I don't know, every couple of weeks, at least. It wasn't as big a deal as the locals thought. He told the local spirit and the mountain god to sit back, relax. It wasn't that they were set on freeing all these regions from all these different demons, but when it dovetailed with their own goals, Monkey was happy to do so. The mountain god looked at the local spirit and both pointed to where the monastery had been. Uh, okay. Sun Wukong seemed pretty confident, so, yeah, they wouldn't argue. Up there, where the monastery was. The demon king lived in a cave. Classic demon. All right, sit tight. I'll take care of this, Monkey said, and continued on toward the cave. What's up, nerds? Monkey cried out to the little fiends. They shrieked and started running off all over the place in every different direction running into each other and running into Monkey. Sun Wukong stepped back in annoyance. Just get your boss. I'm going to fight him. They did, eventually. Monkey heard, Great King, there's a hairy-faced priest here demanding the return of his master. Monkey heard a deep, throaty laugh. 
and the ground began to shake. He was giant. Having to duck below his own doorway, which just feels like bad engineering, he had a single horn on the side of his head. His green, coarse skin rippled with muscle. His eyes gleamed, and his yellow teeth grinned. Great King One-Horned Buffalo, Sun Wukong called out. The Demon King only gripped his lance. You have my master, Sun Wukong said. Give him back and you'll suffer no harm. Even begin to say the word no and you'll be dead before you hit the ground, I promise. The air felt like it shook when the Demon King talked, saying that he had arrested the Tang Monk because the Tang Monk and his disciples stole from the Demon King. They snuck through his buildings like thieves and they would now die like thieves. I'd like to lodge an appeal with the judge, Monkey said, adding, and by an appeal, he meant his staff, and by with the judge, he meant in the judge's forehead. The Demon King only laughed. He accepted the attempt at an appeal. Thirty rounds. If Sun Wukong could withstand thirty rounds with him, he would release the Tang Monk and not feast on his flesh. Monkey was so tired of this. The Demon King wouldn't feast on his master's flesh anyway. No one ever did, but all right, whatever, let's go. And they did. Go, that is. On the 30th round, both the Demon King and Sun Wukong were tired. But Sun Wukong could see the Demon King flagging. I see you looking at my staff, Sun Wukong smiled. I'll let you get a closer look when I jam it into your forehead. Then the Demon King stepped back. (laughs) Monkey laughed. Was that it? Really? This was too easy. The Demon King nodded. That was quite the staff. A staff like that could bring heaven to its knees. Just then, the little fiends, the demons, flooded from the cave. Monkey groaned. There was one of these in every fight where they tried to overwhelm him with little demons. Do these monsters, like, attend the same seminar or something? Monkey tossed his staff up into the sky, said a word, and it broke into a thousand different pieces, each a staff, each heading for a fiend. But at that moment, Sun Wukong saw that the Demon King wasn't retreating back into his lair like they always did. Instead, he reached inside his cloak and pulled out a fillet, like a headband, similar to the one Monkey wore. Except the Demon King's wasn't on his head. It was now soaring into the sky, Monkey's eyes widened, and he reached out his hand to recall the staff, but it was too late. The fillet grew, and the staff, divided into near-countless pieces, ascended up into the void created in the sky. When they were all gone, the headband shrank, flew back to the Demon King's claw, and he tucked it back into his cloak. Now, where were we? The Demon King smiled. Monkey backflipped out of the clearing and onto a cloud to escape the swarming demons, their boss sneering in the distance. It came from up here. Monkey screamed at the Jade Emperor, pacing the throne room. The Emperor only shrugged. Look, they went over the rolls. No one is missing. It kind of seems like Monkey couldn't do his job. What Was that the case? 
that monkey couldn't do the job? The Jade Emperor was the supreme deity, so of course he had no reason to be afraid, but it also helped that Sun Wukong didn't have his magic murder rod. Run it again, monkey said. The Jade Emperor looked down at the scroll and looked up. Yeah, it, he was the supreme deity, so he could absorb all this information in a second. Even looking at the paper was more for monkey than him. But oh yeah, none of the deities were missing. Well, I need help, Monkey said. He was losing hair over this, and his hair was transforming into other Sun Wukongs, all stressing out and losing hair. It was a whole nesting doll situation here. The Jade Emperor looked at the Sun Wukongs going subatomic. Yeah, okay. As much as he wanted to rub this in Sun Wukong's face, they did need that Tang Monk to make it to the West. They could put together a team. Monkey bowed low. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Devaraja Lee, the pagoda bearer, Heavenly King Lee, he possessed a tower that could capture any spirit, demon, or god within its walls. Prince Nata, his son, had subdued 96 caves of demons by himself. Pilgrim's son also requested the service of two thunder squires, Deng Hua and Zhang Fan. Wow, going all out, done. Should be a good fight. Bit one-sided, though, the Jade Emperor observed. And it was one-sided. Against the heroes. Retreat! Retreat! Not just screamed out from his three heads, all six of his arms empty. The Thunder Squires zoomed back on their clouds. The Demon King of the Golden Helmet Mountain, he... He disarmed Nata. He threw the white fillet up in the sky, and it sucked up Nata's weapons with it. They were glad they waited to throw their thunderbolts. Otherwise, they would have lost their weapons too. But Monkey... Monkey was... laughing? Everyone spun to look at him. What was his deal? They lost. And it was all his fault. If he could do the job, he had been given by heaven. But Monkey wasn't listening. Fire, he said. They needed fire. And if that didn't work... Water. They all thought about it, yeah. The old proverb said that water and fire were ruthless, but... But what? You want your weapons back? Then we need to beat this guy, okay? Monkey said. Their destinies were linked now. He called up a cloud. He was going to go fly up to the Red Aura Palace and ask Mars, the star of fiery virtue, to come and start a fire to burn the Demon King. Well, that didn't work, Monkey said, landing next to the sobbing star of fiery virtue and Waterlord. It went well until it didn't. The star of fiery virtue launched a torrent of flame at the Demon King, but not just like a fire hose of fire, but fire rats, fire crows, fire dragons, fire bows, fire arrows, fire horses, and the Demon King sucked all of them up into his fillet. So, they recruited Waterlord, who, seeing as so many people he respected and admired had failed, relished the thought of proving his worth, and yeah, the fillet that could suck up fire could, surprise, also suck up water, leaving Waterlord high and dry. Ha. He drained the entire Yellow River, no doubt forever wrecking the ecology of the region, but it didn't even breach the door of the Demon King's lair. But... Monkey did. He had transformed into a fly, and, as the waters receded, 
and the little fiends splashed outside, laughing. No joke, the Demon King was like a dad letting his kids play in the pool. It's very clear that they were just playing and having fun. Anyway, Monkey slipped in and found it. His rod propped up against the wall of a storeroom. He flew into a corner and emerged in the form of a badger spirit to blend in with the little fiends, and he just shunted his way on down the hall, whistling and saying hi to the other little demons, asking if they were going out for happy hour, and he saw the growing crowd around him. Ah, oh, yeah. Sun Wukong's iron rod. He was just taking it down for processing for the, uh, bye. Monkey ran, mowing down any demons in his way. It's not that he was afraid of the Demon King, but he just got his staff back, and he really didn't want to lose it again. Somewhere toward the exit, he calmed down, and remembered that he could shrink the thing, so he tucked it behind his ear and leapt for the hills, which was where we opened the scene. You only got your weapon back? The Star of Fiery Virtue cried. Monkey asked, uh, was he supposed to get the fire rats? They had those hanging up alongside the horses like they were going to eat them. How does that even work, right? The Star of Fiery Virtue sobbed some more. Easier to do now that he had no fire left, and the rest of them decided to let it go that Monkey only recovered his own weapon. While Monkey was gone, they had been working on a plan. The Demon King wasn't terribly powerful in and of himself. It was that fillet. The magical headband that sucked everything up. They got that, and he was any other demon. But to get the fillet, they all needed their weapons. What? Monkey said to the deity dream team staring at him. Oh, you want me to not be selfish and do what I did, but get everyone else's stuff back too. Got it. Made sense. Sun Wukong winked and saluted. Stealth and discretion was the name of the game. We'll see Stealthy Monkey be stealthy, but that will, once again, be right after this. The cave was on high alert, but it's difficult to be on guard when your enemy can turn into a flea. Like, unless your doorways are also flea combs, he's gonna get through. And Sun Wukong did. He jumped over to the Demon King, asleep, with the fillet wrapped around his arm. Monkey tried, but that thing was on there. He even played it a little risky, and bit the Demon King a few times to try to get him to move and scratch, but it wasn't coming off. Monkey went to find the weapons. And he did find them, mainly because the place was quiet and he could move pretty quickly, also mainly because he knew exactly where they were, because they sat next to where he found his staff. He looked at the weapons. The pagoda, a river's worth of water, fire dragons. Monkey transformed back into a badger spirit. And he knew the best way out was secreting them, one by one, to a hiding spot outside for later retrieval. But... There was an explosion from the cave, turning the night to day for a few moments, so that even the deities on the hill needed to shield their eyes. The doors to the cave flew off as Monkey, shedding hair in all directions, rocketed out riding a fire dragon. The little fiends that managed to escape the fire found themselves facing a thousand Monkey Kings, and Sun Wukong flew up to the hill where his friends waited. 
Monkey threw their weapons back at them. You get a weapon. You get a weapon. Every- Oh, sorry, I thought you had that. I- Sorry, I shouldn't be throwing weapons at people. That's not safe. Did they like the shredding guitar background music, though? Pretty sweet, right? He added that for effect. The deities were impressed, and Monkey whistled, recalling his hair. He smelled the singed follicles as they replaced themselves on his side. Mmm, <laughs> toasty Monkey. Monkey looked out on the fires of the fortress, still burning bright. All told, the Demon King would lose half of his army in the blaze, and it would take him several hours to put it out. Monkey smacked his open palm with his newly recovered staff. The father and son, the Thunder Squires, the Star of Fiery Virtue and Water Lord stood behind him. Tomorrow, tomorrow they would strike while the Demon King was tired. They would use their combined might, they would work together, and they would take him down. How did we lose all our weapons again? The star of fiery virtue shrieked, falling with a dozen monkeys who had climbed on each other to keep him from being sucked into the white fillet. The seven heroes regrouped, back in the same position they were, figuratively and literally, before Monkey had recovered all their weapons. Monkey's ears grew, and he shook his head, listening to something off in the distance. Oh, oh no. He turned to the group. He was clearly rattled. Okay, uh, no more messing around. We need to beat this guy. Monkey's voice cracked. Oh, messing around, is that what we were doing? Because I was working really hard and things were not going well, the Star of Fiery Virtue said. Waterlord tried to comfort him, but Firestar shook his head. No, no, it's not okay. Sun Wukong needed to be thoughtful with his words. Sun Wukong rolled his eyes. For real, though. His whole reason for being out here, his master, and... Sandy and much, much lesser extent Pigsy, he added under his breath, they were going to be eaten soon. Most demons waited until they bested the Tang Monk's bodyguard, and none had bested the Tang Monk's bodyguard. Not until now. Well, what do you propose we do? One of the Thunder Squires asked. Devaraja Lee stroked his chin. Hey, so... Don't be mad. Monkey looked to him. Whenever people said don't be mad, it usually came before sentences that made him mad, so no promises. What is it? Devaraja Lee, the pagoda bearer, said, well, he was sitting around with the Buddha before all this, and the man chuckled. He said something about Han Pier needing to see Lao Tzu to search for the origin. It just now came to him. It didn't make sense at the time, but now, yeah, it does. Sorry. Monkey said it was okay, so he had to go to the griefless heaven. Okay, well, that seemed like an odd name. If there was grief, could it really be called heaven? Regardless, he thanked Devaraja Lee. At least there was some path forward. As Monkey called up a cloud, Lee asked him, Ah, uh, maybe he's out of the loop, but... Why did the Buddha call him Hand Peer? Sun Wukong said, well, because he had peed on the Buddha's hand. Lee blinked. Monkey peed on the Buddha's hand. Monkey said, yeah, it, it was a long time ago.
Lao Shi shrugged. Some monkey couldn't make it to the Western Heaven. How was that his problem? Monkey said he truly had no idea. The Buddha just told him to come here. Lao Shi shrugged. Sure, look around. Whatever. It's a nice palace, Mr. Lee, Monkey said, gesturing to the impossibly large palace that he just had to look around now. Lao Shi didn't even turn around. Nice palace. He knew it was a nice palace. He lived here. Try not leaving any doors open. All these rooms are separate worlds or pocket universes or something. Who knows? Monkey watched Lausa shuffle off down the beautiful stone hallway and he started poking around. And exactly 40 seconds later, Monkey blinked. Seriously. The corral of the green buffalo and the door was just swinging open. Monkey pushed it and it creaked. Inside, in the warm, glowing field, the corral stood open next to a snoring servant boy. Really? He yelled back to Lao Shi, who was annoyed that he had to walk all the way back, but not as annoyed as he was when he learned that a bull had escaped and made it down to earth. Turns out it's 100% your problem, Monkey said. Lao Shi shouted for the servants to get his treasure list. They needed to account for every item. You don't need to. I already know what's missing, Monkey said. But they did. His master, Xuanzang, was hours from being eaten, and he was watching the sage go through his treasure vault and check things off one by one. Then they finally made it to the end of the list. The diamond snare, Lao said, shaking his head. That was a treasure perfected in his time on earth. Two or three hundred years prior, in the fourth or fifth century, it was a powerful magic item. He said he used it to convert barbarians. All you had to do was hold it up and it sucks all the weapons, even fire and what yet fire and water, I know. Monkey cut him off. It wasn't that he didn't want an exhaustive summary of the terrible last four days he just had, but they really needed to do something about this buffalo. the deity dream team said, looking at Lao Shi shuffle up to the gate. They were going to get back. They didn't want bits of old man on them. Monkey stood next to Lao Shi and called out to the demon king. This was it. Final battle. No running. He had to do everything to get his master back. And if the demon king wanted to be able to brag about killing Sun Wukong, great sage equal to heaven, now was his chance. There was a silence in the cave. And then, the new door rumbled open. The bull demon king lumbered out and then froze. Master? Monkey smiled. And the rest of the deities looked at each other. Lao Shi took out his fan. The demon king immediately roared and threw out the white fillet. But instead of hovering in the sky, it flew straight to Lao Shi's hand. The demon king looked at Lao wide-eyed planted his hoof, and turned to run. Lao Shi waved at him with his fan. Monkey could see the air ripple on its way over to the demon king. And though the monster ran, he couldn't outrun the wind. His hoof was first, then his legs, going from gnarled and muscly trunks to the legs of a bull. Then his body transformed from humanoid and cursed to the barrel-like trunk of a bull. His claws shrank and became his front hooves. 
His head was last, and Sun Wukong could see the last of the panic as the great bull demon king stretched out against the wind, trying to keep the measure of himself that he had gained in this form over the last few days. But his sinister, searching demon eyes turned into the dull, staring eyes of a cow. The green bull stopped running. Lao Shu shuffled over and casually picked up the fillet, hooking it around the bull's nose. According to legend, this is the time when people started doing that sort of thing on Earth. Wordlessly, and without an apology, apparently, Lao Shu climbed atop the bull and ascended back into heaven. Xuanzang said it was pretty standard, tied up and bathed. Sandy and Pigsy finished packing the bags atop Yulong. All the other deities had returned to their places in the heavens, and the Tang monk and his disciples were getting back on the road. Xuanzang looked out. Wukong? Monkey's attention was somewhere else. He shook his head. His teacher asked what it was. He did everything right. It was Xuanzang and the others who went into the monastery, even though Monkey told them not to. Wukong said no. Well, yes, they shouldn't have done that. But he didn't do everything right. He understood the lesson here, that humbling yourself and seeking knowledge was better than violence. That instead of fighting and killing, he should have sought a teacher to show him the right way from the start. See, you learned a lesson. Good job. Xuanzang finished up and mounted the horse. But I've made that mistake so many times. Monkey lowered his head. They were always getting in this sort of trouble. And you'll make it again, too. That's learning. That's growth. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to do a little better next time. Xuanzang looked forward to the road ahead. Even though he was technically going to be eaten, they still gave him a place to sleep and tried to fatten him up some, so he was feeling pretty refreshed after, you know, facing his execution. Monkey thought about it, looked up to his master with a smile, and they continued on their journey to the west. That's where we're going to leave it this time. Next week is a rare week off for us. I literally cannot remember the last time we had a week off. It was definitely sometime before 2020. We will be back in two weeks, though, with a Danish story. But if you're looking for some more myths and legends in the meantime, there are like almost 90 member episodes waiting on the member feed and on Apple Podcasts. And you get ad-free shows, and it's a nice way to support the show. Check that out if you're interested at mythpodcast.com membership. The creature this week is the Yamachichi from Japanese folklore. We've all wondered, what if Dracula was a hairy, monkey-like, one-eyed humanoid who liked to suck your morning breath, and also your life, from your mouth while you slept? Well, wonder no more, the no one who has ever thought that. That is the Yamachichi. Like many things in Japanese folklore, the Yamachichi come from bats who live for a long time. They apparently turn into murderous flying squirrels, and then to this creature, 
Which makes you wonder, what's so bad about being a flying squirrel that a monkey who sucks morning breath would be progress? The Yamachichi is about 90 to 120 centimeters in height, so under 4 feet tall, and it's not really one eye, but one eye is much larger than the other, to give it that appearance. If you happen to chance on one of the wild and feel like taming it somehow, it can keep away wolves. Don't let it in your tent, though, because like I said, it's not just morning breath, but your life as well that it will suck. Anyone who's attacked by the Yamachichi and their, quote, sucking lips in their sleep will die the next day, unless you're a light sleeper. If it is caught in the act, it will flee, and instead of dying, congrats, you just got an unnaturally long life. Of course, you now know that monkeys sucking your breath while you sleep is a thing, so good luck getting much sleep on that long life of yours. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free. And the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more of the music we used in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>